I'm Ben Davies, and this is The Clear Money Mindset. And so whether or not it's budgeting, I think most of the time we end up teaching people what they thought was budgeting isn't right. And we teach them that they can spend money on things they want. And so I feel like our name says you need a budget. And really, we're kind of saying, yeah, you don't need a budget, but you do need a method for managing your money. Welcome to the Clear Money Mindset, providing you with help and tips to manage your money in a clear and intentional way. I'm your host and financial advisor, Ben Davies. Today, we have a really exciting show. Call out what you want, budget, spending plan, cash flow management. We have come up with all sorts of fancy and less abrasive ways of talking about the need to plan how we spend our money. Life is busy and managing spending can be a challenge. If you are like most people and you struggle to find a way to plan your spending each month, this episode is for you. I don't know if I've ever been this excited to interview a guest, but today we will be talking budgeting with Jesse Makem. Jesse is a personal finance expert, speaker, and business leader. He is also the founder of You Need a Budget or YNAB. Jesse hosts the You Need a Budget podcast, the Beginning Balance podcast, and is the Wall Street Journal best-selling author of You Need a Budget. A self-proclaimed recovering CPA, he is deeply passionate about teaching individuals, families, and business owners YNAB's four rules to help them gain control of their money. We are sure that this conversation you're about to hear will help you move the needle into managing your monthly expenses better. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, we are here today with Jesse Makem. He's the founder and CEO of You Need a Budget, which for those who don't know is a powerful budgeting tool that we're going to talk about later. So Jesse, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Ben. Yeah. So why don't you tell us budgeting, especially in finance now, they're telling us don't use the word budgeting. You guys were bold enough to go ahead and put it in the name of your software. So what made you passionate about budgeting and what inspired you to start the software program to help families take care of their money? Yeah, it's interesting because it, it uh, I mean, I originally started the company just to kind of flip it on its head a little bit because we needed to make extra money and uh, okay. as a family. So my motivation wasn't, it wasn't altruistic at all. It was, it was for the mighty dollar, but I, I did leverage what I found was really a, a passion of mine. It, it it went clear back to when I was, I, when I was 16, I was working, but didn't have any bills. And I would, I was noticing that my money, I was like, where does my money go? And so I, I printed out this like lined piece of paper that had like a date header at the top description, then amount. And I would, I would write down with, you know, with a pencil, like when I spent money, I would just come home at night and like write the amount down and what it was for. Nice. And I did that for months and months. And I noticed that as you know, about every month or so, I would literally like grab a calculator and tally it up. And you're like, Jesse, why didn't you use Excel? I didn't have, I didn't know what that was. Yep. And we had a computer that I thought was mainly to play Warcraft, you know? And, <laughs> nice. and so like, I didn't, I just wasn't familiar with any of that stuff, but I, I was logging what I was spending. And I noticed that I spent a lot of money eating out. And I also noticed that I started to spend less because I didn't want to record it. So I'd be driving by some fast food place and then my normal 16 year old self would be like, Hey, stop and grab something, you know? And I'd be like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to write it down later. So I'd drive by, you know, and this is a 16 year old with no cares in the world, 
you know, except, yeah. uh, like maybe doing some schoolwork and things. So it wasn't the perfect, it wasn't a perfect test by any means, but it did clue me into this idea that awareness of where our money goes is powerful. And I don't know if budget should be in our name, Ben, honestly, you were saying like, oh, you're pretty bold to put it in there. We may, we may have been pretty stupid to put it in there because what we end up doing is I'm passionate about taking people's energy. They put all this energy, like you with your practice, me with mine, you put all this energy into converting your efforts into a dollar. Yeah. And then that dollar is just stored up energy that you can use to literally buy like caloric energy, or you can use it to pay someone to do something for you. So they're using their energy. And I, I've realized we're really about radically changing people's concept of that idea that this is your energy. And where do yeah. you want it to go? What do you want it to do? And so whether or not it's budgeting, I think most of the time we end up teaching people what they thought was budgeting isn't right. And we teach them that they can spend money on things they want. And so I feel like our name says you need a budget. And really, we're kind of saying, yeah, you don't need a budget, but you do need a method for managing your money. One that one that's really that really works. So I am passionate about it. It doesn't seem to get old to me to talk about this with people. Yeah, one one thing we often print out for people, I'm sure you've seen it, is a human value calculator, human life value calculator. So it's oh, this thing rough. where yeah. we put people's current income, um, husband and wife together, and it's like nobody realizes that in your lifetime, perhaps more than likely, high chance, a few million dollars is going to pass through your hands one time. Without the opportunity to ever go back and make it again, I think it's something retirees, you you really see them get it, mm -hmm. that they're about to walk off their job and never have the same opportunity to go back and have that two, three, four, five, and for some much more than that, go mm -hmm. through their hands once. And there's a lot of, we don't want to live for money, but money- no helps us do a lot of things that uh, make our life meaningful for sure. So Absolutely. that's cool. One of the things we get a lot, and I feel this too, and I kind of feel bad. I have four kids. I'm, I'm talking to a guy with seven complaining yeah. about how life's busy. <laughs> um, so you're a great person to actually ask this question because it's the main um, objection to budgeting that that I hear and that I feel for myself, even as a financial advisor, you know, I still got to go home and be a regular human being like everyone mm -hmm. else. Life's so busy and many people start budgets and then they give up, they buy their yeah. envelopes, they get the software subscription, they do it for a month, maybe two, and then life gets busy again and they stop. Uh, Give us three reasons or more or less of why you think it's worth the effort to sit down and plan how we spend our money. Yeah. Well, to kind of go back a little bit to what we were saying earlier, it's worth it because it's still your life. Even though it's represented in a dollar, it's still, it's still you. And okay. so money is money, but money is really a store of, of energy that you've created. And I would just like, I would hope that one would say, man, I work awfully hard for the money to come in. Let's keep working a little hard for the money to make sure that it keeps doing what you want it to do. So there's that one thing like, don't, don't change the way you think about effort. 
just because that effort is now converted into a little tidy dollar that's there. Like it's still, it's still you, point. it's still your, your energy. Um, one of the reasons people quit is because they think it's supposed to be this rigid plan full of like that you have a crystal ball and you can suddenly predict every expense. And you're suddenly like this accountant that, I mean, even accountants can, the best accountants know how flexible numbers are, honestly. Mm. And you, you would say that for people, they, they've never budgeted before perhaps. And then suddenly they're like, Oh, I'm now a budgeter and it's now going to be perfect. It's akin to me saying, yeah. Oh, I'm not really a runner. But uh, today I'll run, um, you know, I'll run three miles at about a six minute pace. It's like, no, you won't. You won't. Yeah. You will not do that. You'll, You'll throw I'd up. last a lap. Yeah, <laughs> I'd last a too. lap maybe. And be like, oh, and then, and then what am I supposed to say? After I've run that lap and I'm panting and I'm on the ground, am I supposed to say, oh, running doesn't work? Training doesn't work? Yeah. We don't. So a lot of the times with budgeting, we start out so hard and we think we're supposed to be running six minute miles. And it's really just like, no, 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 no. You need to figure out what move what moves and motivates you, and then you want to make sure that you're doing the things that really bring that ROI. And so for us, the big one is you have to make sure that only with money you have on hand, that's the only time you set aside that money. You say, okay, these are my priorities. This is me giving every dollar a job. It's only with money that's actually there. You don't look ahead. I know you as an advisor, you're, you're very good. I'm sure Monte Carlo simulations, forecasting, modeling, and that's all appropriate. But when it comes to people allocating their money toward what they want it to do, we don't forecast. We just yeah. deal with that scarce, finite resource. So if people will just go in saying, I'm not perfect and I'm not a fast runner yet, they'll go in saying that. And then if they'll go in just working with the money on hand and not trying to look ahead to the future and, and allocate that money as well, it will, it goes a long way in them feeling like, okay, this is, this is approachable. This is flexible. And the flexibility is what keeps people in it for the long haul. Yeah. Which sounds like a bizarre thing when you're talking about restricting the money I spend, giving me flexibility, but it, it, yes. it actually does. You need a budget has four simple rules on your website. Uh, people can go there and read it. Um, Four simple rules for successful budgeting. Can you share those with us and, and uh, why they're impactful? So the first one that I just mentioned, you give every dollar a job, that's rule one. You have a pile of energy and you have to deploy that energy where it should go. And so people, it's it. yours would be different than mine. So maybe I'm, I'm really into woodworking. Maybe you think that's the worst idea ever. I'm really into golf and you're like, I hate golf, but you're really into, um, you know, rare plant life and I'm not. So whatever it is, and I'm making these things up, but we, we all have our own interests, our own desires, our own passions, pursuits, and the plan that you're setting these priorities is just to make sure that the money is achieving those things. The second bit though, we call it embracing your true expenses. And it means you're anticipating larger, less frequent expenses that will come into your life. It's something that you would walk through with someone when you're doing a plan for them where you're saying, well, what about a kid going to college? Big expense. Right. What about this? What about that? But it's, it's not that big because people get those sometimes, but they don't get the thing like, well, do you want to go on vacation next yeah. year? And you'll work with a client on board. And I'm sure this has happened where they're like, well, here are our expenses. And you're looking at like their monthly bills and you're like, I don't think these are what you think it is. Like, yeah. do you ever go on vacation? They're like, oh yeah, every quarter. But you don't see that in their, in their workup, right? And that counts. So that counts for sure. It counts very much if they're doing good big time vacations, right? So we look ahead to those larger, less frequent expenses that are vacations, but they're also like car tires wearing down or you want to buy a new vehicle or um, you want to 
take your family on on a vacation, like an extended family, grandkids once every two years, yeah. whatever it may be, you you look ahead and it's it's like you have, you know, you're working with your client. It's like you have the current client you're chatting with, but then you have the future client and that person has a voice at the table like, well, hey, I want to make sure I have money set aside to repair the car. I want to make sure that the roof will be repaired as necessary. Right. So now we're giving every dollar a job per rule one, but we're also including those larger expenses. And those are entering the scene as like these current obligations. And yeah. now you're seeing people's priorities really come out where it's not just like, well, do you want to go to sushi tonight or do you want to, you know, you know, make dinner at home? It's like, do you want to go to sushi? Do you want to make dinner at home? Do you want to fund the holidays? Do you want to buy a new car? All of that's coming together and people have to weigh that. Good decisions are then made. Yeah. Good and I, that brings people's emotions into their money too, which yes. I like to tell people uh, the way I, we put that is you're building predictability into your budget so that every uh, month is the same. And then you have to make those emotional decisions. That, uh, is Taco Bell actually worth us not going on vacation or maybe yeah. maybe joey's not going to be a doctor because we went to mcdonald's something like that so that, yes. that's cool so it is more emotional rules. yeah yeah the, the third rule is the flexibility bit because it doesn't it's a little counterintuitive to say well budgets are meant to be followed and we're saying well forget forget the budget for a moment you have a plan here that it involves your priorities both current and long term now, the third rule is, and it's strange, it's a rule, Ben, but we say change your plan as needed. Now, you know, there are times where we would say, no, 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 your plan was to invest 18% of your pre-tax income. That is the last thing we want to change here. So you don't look there first to change your plan. And so we have priorities that have varying levels of, uh, let's say, dedication to them. Sure. And so- an eating out budget is much more flexible than hopefully Joey's, you know, funds to go to doc, you know, to go to med school. We yeah, hope yeah. maybe not, but so you can look and you can kind of say, well, these are my categories that are a little more squishy and we can move money as needed because a rigid budget is just set up to snap. It, mm -hmm. It'll break. And you want to have some play in that. You want to be able to have a little bit of give and take to where you recognize Oh, okay. I mean, we call it rolling with the punches. And it's that idea that in boxing, when someone's swinging their fist, you, you, you move your head in the same direction as the, as the blow so that you lessen it. And we want that. We want your plan to be flexible. Not that it, you throw it out the window, not at all, but recognize that you are working a process. And part of that process is rule one, rule two, and then revisiting rule one and rule two as information changes. Like if you and I were to say, Hey, let's take our families. It'd be a crazy bunch of family, four kids, seven kids. We're all in this thing together. We're going to like go down to Mexico and we're going to go to the beach yeah. and we're all excited about it. And we're planning for the beach. And then we wake up and you call my room and you're like, have you looked outside? And I look out and it's just pouring rain. Now we could conclude from that. And people do this with budgeting. They conclude, Oh, vacations don't work. Vacations are bad. No right. one ever says that. They just say, Oh, well, we got to change our plans a little sure. bit. So yeah. We'll play some board games inside and it'll clear up by the afternoon and we're back in business. So it's just that, that flexibility. Our fourth rule, you talked about predictability and that's huge. The fourth rule is basically space. We want to get people away from the financial edge. We call it aging your money. And it means that you have time between the, the moment you earn a dollar and the time when you actually spend the dollar, that there is, there is distance there, there's time. So 
if I earn a dollar today and I don't spend it for 30 days, that dollar is 30 days old. And we're, we're dealing a lot with people, about 80%, at least in the US, that spend their dollar within three days of earning it. They're living essentially paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And my guess is Canada's not far behind in that mentality of just, you just got to keep, like, just keep that. Yeah, it's that, um, it's that bad on. here. Uh, we often tell people um, debt to income ratio in the financial crisis back in 2008. You, you guys, you guys got the worst press in that one. And I think you're around 120% debt to income oh and gosh. went down. Canada's sitting since then, we were about tied with you guys, maybe winning a little. And now we're around <laughs> 175 to 179. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. So in Canada, paycheck to paychecks, a real reality, uh, especially because of not getting into all these details, but our real estate situation. People, Yes. I was talking to a client um, and their housing, just a regular townhouse was taking $3,200 a month away from their cash flow. That's a, having space, that's something we need. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Being able to back off from that edge. It's it's interesting. I'm sure you work with with couples as well. And there's a motion of not just one, but two people yeah. and then the dynamic of them together. And if there's one nice thing about stepping away from that financial edge, there are many, but one that I've keyed in on recently, emotions are not as high when you're away from the financial edge, which means conversation is more fruitful between two stakeholders, two partners. Yeah. And it's not that we don't want emotion in a conversation, but yeah. we want the right kind. Yeah. And it's tough, you know, if I were to, when I see one of my kids that they're about to touch, you know, a hot plate or something, I'm not going to slow. Hey, hey, uh, hey, Brooks, consider maybe point. I mean, no, you yeah. jump on it. You're, you're intense about it. And it might even make Brooks cry because of my intensity, not because of the actual heat. But with with couples, it's like they're standing and trying to have this productive conversation about goals and aspirations and desires, but they're standing there just like about to touch hot plates all the time. So the most benign thing, like so-and-so, you know, a husband goes out and buys something and, and, uh, the wife says, Oh, uh, what about this or that? And it's like, Oh, we have this bill we had to pay. Well, suddenly the intensity's at the nines and it yeah. doesn't, doesn't have to be there. So, just that alone is a real win for couples. And then obviously uh, individuals that are running their own household, just sleeping better. Decision-making improves when we're less stressed. So that that stepping away from the edge where you're wanting your dollars to get a little older before you spend them, that just it just changes everything about someone's financial situation. That's a great point. And I think of families, I'm sure you've worked with them too, Usually the husband and wife or couples don't have the same mindset around money. Actually, that's what I appreciate about that one rule. Giving, when you say giving space, because oftentimes the one spouse in charge of the budget's the more detailed one and needs to yes. not feel so defeated. And then the one who's out there spending all the money needs to be told, hey, you know, you're going to have flexibility and space here, but you're, you can't, you can't just blow it all at once. But yes. those, those two emotions have to work together because you you gotta you gotta get the math and the math to work, the emotions to work. And man, having not having to have a panic attack when the the car breaks down or or the van breaks, that 
is huge, huge. Yeah. Um, it makes what you were saying about predictability. It means that things have stayed normal, even though the van broke down. And that's something people are like, wait, how is that possible? You're like, no, no, it's still just normal. Yeah, it's a pain. It's a hassle. To, you got to go and get quotes. That's all a hassle. But we are alive. So we are supposed to be dealing with hassles. You know? yeah, yeah. But be, beyond that, it doesn't have to be extra stressful. You're, I mean, you're familiar in the markets when they talk about systemic risk of being in the market. And then, then you have the unsystematic risk that's there. So you have systematic that's just like you're in the market and all those risk exposures. And then you have unsystematic. And when you diversify, you're trying to eliminate as much unsystematic risk as you can so that you aren't taking unnecessary risk. We walk around with our financials just carrying stress because we're alive and that's all fine. I don't want yeah. the alternative. But then we also carry around unsystematic risk or stress in this case, just unnecessary stress. So I pay a bill and then someone else pays a bill. The person paying the bill that's stressed, they're dealing with all of this extra emotion around paying the bill. At the end of the day, we've both just paid a bill. But one yeah. of us has zero stress and the other one is stressed to the nines. And that that alone is worth saying, I don't think I need to be this stressed about my money for my entire life. And it's not about making more. It's about changing how you think about it and adopting that, the, these four rules, this framework to allow you to say, OK, there's a better way here. And it doesn't involve giving up anything. It just involves thinking differently about what we're doing. Well, that's great. As you guys look at the budgeting landscape and families uh, trying to plan better, what would you say are some pitfalls you see people running into when they try to start budgeting? I know you mentioned one um, of just going all out, deciding tomorrow that you're going to be like budget proficionado and you're just going to yes. kill it right off the gate. <laughs> uh, what are what are some pitfalls and what do you think are some things that can be done to kind of overcome them? Yeah. Well, here's a couple. We don't have to get into like the details of it, but one is usually that there will be two partners that are not like totally equally yoked on it. And that is fine. I don't, my wife, Julie and I, we have a division of responsibilities. It's changed over the years. And sometimes it changes day to day where someone's yeah. just like, oh my gosh, I am so tired today. Can you do X? It's like, of course I can, because I love you. Yeah. But we also have a clear, a pretty clear division of responsibilities where I run more of the finances because Julie runs a thousand other things. And we're, we're good with that. That being said, just because one person is more money-minded or math-oriented or whatever, doesn't mean the other person abdicates responsibility for goals and decisions. Yeah. So you can be on the same page with your goals. You can be making the same decisions. You can be totally aligned with one person, honestly, given an allowance. They've been like, hey, here's your allowance. Just don't go over that and we're good. And he or she's like, this is the best thing ever. You mean you won't even ask me what I spent? And they're like, no, I don't even want to know. And they're like, this is what I've wanted my whole life. As long as <laughs> they're also participating in the decisions like, do we want to pay for school for our kids? How much, do, when do we want to retire? Do we want to make sure this money goes here? Do we want to buy a new house if we can even afford one? Do we want to get a new car? They need to be participating in those strategic discussions. They just don't need to be in the minutiae. So just kind of recognize right. that it can be it can be mixed and there's no perfect setup there it's whatever's working for that couple um and number 2 you should approach it immediately with saying what do i want not where have i overspent what shouldn't i have done oh my gosh look at how much debt i have like welcome to the club everybody almost everybody's got more debt than they want so we're you're normal like that yep. Yep. approach it from a, a standpoint of 
what do I want my new mindset? What do I want it to achieve for me? And make it something good. Like I want to be able to buy uh, the Lego biggest, like what was the one I just saw? Like the Titanic. I think they just released like a Titanic version. So, and it was like a nice. hundred thousand pieces. It was something crazy. So they were like, I want to be able to buy that and make it happen. Save up for it, buy it and watch how the rest of your spending starts to kind of line up behind that one silly goal that I gave. But mm. nonetheless, like make, make your plan achieve the things you want. It's not about slapping your wrist. It's not about yeah. saying you should or shouldn't. It's just being really, really straight. Like, what do you want to achieve? And you'll be amazed at how much motivation you have to cut unnecessary spending when you are clear on what you find necessary. That clarity is so motivating. People across the board, and I, I can say without exception, when we do interviews and, and whatnot, they cut eating out a lot. Now, am I anti-eating out? No, absolutely not. But apparently, so far, of the thousands of people that we've worked with, like where we've directly asked them, how did you get out of all that debt? How did you pay this off? How did you make so much money? Without exception, they say, well, we cut back eating out. So I'm not saying that anyone should do that. I'm yep. just saying that they found motivation to cut what they deemed unnecessary in light of what they saw as totally necessary and desirable. So frame it around yeah. the what you want and then watch as the other stuff just, you just like, oh, I don't want that that much. I don't want that. It's, it's an amazing thing, but it, it is a reframing. Have it achieve things for you, not restrict you. Yeah, it's oftentimes it's like, uh, a budget is the punishment you get for failing to manage your money well. Um, Awful. And so you see this, it's almost like a fear that's put. Now, I guess in some senses, some people need that once in a while. Like you're saying, like, don't touch the top of the stove. Like that's a that's a fear moment where it's like you probably shouldn't do that. And if you want to have a discussion about that, we can do that after you haven't had third degree burns on your hands. But yes. it's. Often, even when you're talking to people, yeah, you know, we got into all this trouble, so now we're budgeting. And then you see, too, like people get out of the financial trouble, then stop because mm -hmm. all they were really budgeting for was because they were guilty that they'd got into this debt. And all they need, all they knew is we just need to get out of this. So I They're love that. Penance. Yes, I love yeah. that idea of, listen, like the, the budget is there to enable you to do the things that are important to you, not there to tell you how much of a horrible spender you are. Because yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, any business, if you take the the accounting side out of it, nobody knows what the heck is going on. Um, yeah. So if you don't have that and they're not there to punish the business, they're there to, so that the business meets its objective. So that's yeah, cool. I like absolutely. that. It's strategic. I really liked what you said there as well. I mean, the idea that it's a punishment is so, so horrible to think, think about that in that way. It, we really need to frame it in a way where we say, let me put it this way. I hope by the time I die, I hope it's a long ways from now, but I hope that I've spent all my money mm -hmm. and uh, maybe I spent some on charity and maybe I even spent some on my kids or grandkids, helping them yep. out in some way that, that you hope doesn't mess those little people up, right? There's yep. like that fine line. But I, I am saving for retirement dutifully so I can spend the money. Right. And there is no part of me that doesn't want to spend money. Yeah. Now, 
like saving for its own sake, we only save so we can spend. So spending by itself, that's, that's, there's nothing wrong with spending. The only part where people feel it's wrong is when the spending is misaligned from what they care about. Yeah. And they just haven't been really made aware of it. And so they're made aware through looking at money they have on hand, giving every dollar a job, bringing their future self to the table for a little conversation. And then they're like, oh man, yeah, this money isn't really doing what I want. And then suddenly it starts to do what they want. They aren't making anymore, but they're feeling content. They're feeling peace. But the objective is not to not spend money. My word, boring, you know, Yeah. like let's (laughs) spend it. But it's just that some will spend between the ages of 60 and 110. And that's where you come in to help people make sure that they've got enough where they can spend and do the things they want to do. But all along the way, let's hope that we're enjoying all of our all of our hard effort and what we've done so far. Yeah. And one thing we want to change in our business is there's this misconception, I think, in people that like if an advisor sits down with you and says, this is how much money you'll have when you're 70. It's like that's not inspiring at all uh, Mm -hmm. because how in the world do I actually make it to 70? And then uh, I remember uh, it was a few years back. Somebody had told me about really successful financial advisor, worked his butt off, uh, retired at, I think it was around 60, dies the next year. Oh, gosh. Like, if that's your, I think in our business, if we keep putting up this goal that it's so far away for one, like I'm not interested in retirement yet. I know it's important, but you're not going to get me fired up about it yet because it's like, I don't want to live for being 65. A 35 yeah. is, has got some things I'd like to do in it as well. So I think getting that into the financial planning conversation is so important that doing the road between now and 65 or 55 or whenever it is you retire has so much meaning in it. And yes. um, I'm not interested in, I'll help you, you know, here's what you need to do to be ready for 65, but let's be fired up about today and yeah. let's take care of today well. And you won't need my chart on what you need to look like at 65. You'll you'll be there and yeah. you'll be there a lot happier. So that's where you guys come in. Software. I mean, there's a few things we've used here. I, I don't know. One of my frustrations with any cash flow management system, it just seems so unintuitive and hard to set up. Uh, you're downloading transactions. Some of it's working, some of it's not. So I'm really interested to hear you answer this question for myself personally as we kind of look for the best platform for us and then for our clients too. Uh, So budgets take a ton of work um, or they can. And and anything that can be done to simplify this is is huge for families. So you need a budget. We've seen it over here in Canada becoming increasingly uh, more and more popular. Maybe you can speak to just how meaningful it's become in the U.S. as well. And in I'm I imagine you know some of the numbers here in Canada, but just as as people begin here to start looking at it, maybe begins the wrong word, but tell us about the software itself and how it could help our listeners who are sitting down saying, yeah, no, this sounds really good and, and we want to do this. We want to budget for the right reasons. We want to take control of our money. We, we want to do the things that are important to us. How can this tool help them? Yeah. Um, you said before we got on, you're like, Hey, you know, don't be shy about talking about the software. I will, I will say one caveat, the method that we teach those four rules. I mean, we run 
150 workshops every week that are live teaching the rules and the thinking. So before I go into the software, everyone has to know that the thinking is the key. And you could run the method on a piece of paper. You could run it on a spreadsheet you roll yourself. It, there's so many, you could probably use one of our competitors for all I know, but it's just, we want to get people thinking about their money differently. And that's the key. The software is totally second fiddle to that. So whenever we're debating a feature, we're always saying, well, how will this new feature help someone follow the four rules more? And it might mean more accurately. It might mean more easily. Yeah. We want to take minutia out as much as possible, but we don't want to take value out. So if you were to say, hey, our software will do everything for you, that sounds good so far. And then they say, um, and you won't you won't even realize it. Like, it's just amazing. And um, your awareness will stay the same on what your money's doing. It's like, well, that doesn't sound as good anymore. And like, you'll look back and you'll just kind of see what you did. And uh, I'd be hard pressed to get excited about that. We want behavior to change. So the software needs to require as much work as necessary to change behavior, but not a bit more, hmm. not a bit more. So in that, to that end, that's kind of where we frame all of our efforts with the software. Um, it's not too hard to get going. I would encourage anyone listening where they're like, oh, that kind of sounds interesting. Our classes are like 25 minutes long. They're live. They're really well done, really mm -hmm. dialed in. They're way less worried than I am on a podcast. Like they're very succinct and just they've got it. So it's, it's 25 minutes well spent. And then we have another video that's on YouTube that's kind of just like, okay, I want to get started with this. And it's 25 minutes long as well. And, you know, you can put the speed at one and a half and you'll be done even quicker. <laughs> and it really does just walk you through like, okay, I have money right now. Here's how much I have. Okay, let's give every one of those dollars a job. Well, let's establish like what your needs are. You know, well, I, I have rent here and I have this here and I have this goal. Okay, well, now we're going to take our money and we can't fund every one of our needs, but we can fund some of them. So you start to fund those needs. And then 20 minutes later, you're kind of done. And mm. that's the end. And sometimes people will tell us, well, I want to I want to finish. And we're like, you're done. You've, you've given every single one of your dollars a job. When another paycheck comes in in a couple of weeks or whenever, do it again, that process again. In the meantime, they've got their phone. And when they're out spending money, we hope, this is where behavior change happens. We hope that when you're there at like, I don't know, a grocery store or something, that you look at your phone and it tells you how much is in your grocery category. And that starts to kind of change your behavior. You might look and say, this isn't enough. Oh my gosh, I was wrong. Well then, Rule three, you move money around really easily on the app. Just like I'll move money from here to there. You got yeah. some more money in groceries. You buy what you need. You're out of there. And uh, then the next time you're at the same grocery store, we noticed your location. We saved it. It's all private, obviously, locked yeah. away with a nice key. But you pop up the app. You put add transaction. We noticed that it's the same grocery store. So we pre-populate that. We pre-populate that it's the groceries category. And now all you're doing is literally entering the amount as you're checking out and nice. done. Behind the scenes, we're synced up with your bank. So your bank pulls in that transaction, sometimes immediately, sometimes two days later. It's always the banks have all these different ways of doing it. Yep. They pull that in. And we notice we're like, oh, well, Ben already recorded his transaction. Here comes one that looks an awfully lot like the same one. We link those two together. And then it's just on you to be like, yeah, yeah, I approve that. Like swipe, swipe, swipe. Okay. So. It, for for me, I mean, I'm I'm good at this, but I'm no better than most people that have gotten used to it. And I would say Julie and I, we probably are total all in time on the app. 
uh, two hours a month is my guess. Maybe a little less. It would yep. kind of depend on, well, with the holidays coming up, we're starting to buy Christmas things, right? Yep. So more, more transactions there. And we're trying to be done early. That's that's the key. They you say know? you need to be. I'm hearing all these fears. Go buy your stuff now. I've been saying, hey, uh, I hope my kids don't listen to this. We don't need any more toys at the Davies house for crying right. out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, can we give them some kind of an experience? I did hear the same thing, though, that all these shipping containers that are clogged yeah. up every year, like, what are people... I don't know. Maybe, maybe the whole, maybe all of our countries will be like, yeah, we just uh, all did experiences this Christmas and it'll be better. You know, yeah. one you want to love, but that being said, it's just, we don't spend a lot of time in the app. It's a daily little, I mean, people make a coffee, right. And then they sit there and drink their coffee. You can integrate uh, our app right into your morning flow where you're just approving transactions that came in the night before. Um, you're looking over your budget and saying like, is this all still look good? It's just you organizing your minions to go off and do your bidding right now what would you say is like if somebody's starting from scratch um so it sounds like there's two components to this one there's the the teaching videos does that come along with uh the subscription to the software itself oh, yeah you don't have to subscribe oh it's all out there you can just we teach for free so nice. all of our teaching all of our thinking is free and then if nice. you're thinking oh they kind of sound like they know what they're doing maybe their software's pretty good Okay. Then do a 34 day free trial with the software, no credit card up front. We don't like the little, you know, the last thing we would do is be like, aha, we caught you with this sneaky transaction. Like yeah. there's not that garbage, you know, like yeah. it was totally an antithetical to our mission. So you just 34 day trial. And if you like it at the end of that, you know, pop in your card and then it's 84 bucks a year or I think $12 a month. Most people buy, just buy it up front for the year. So it's. Now how long do you find it takes people to get onto it? So like if somebody went and downloaded it today, obviously your free trial might be an indicator of how long you think it would take for them to get attached yep. to that. Yeah. Um, how long should people be a bit patient with themselves as they're trying to start yeah. a new thing before they're sitting, yep. having their coffee, like Jesse, yes. just swiping away. Like it's just natural. It's like birds chirping. Yeah. Like the weather's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, um, we see in one month, we usually see a $600 turnaround, meaning they've, they've recovered money just with more awareness of what their money is doing that. I think I might be, that might be a two month mark or a one month. I, I'd have to check okay. our numbers. Um, but we surveyed a little while ago. So at about the two month mark, you're going to see some serious, um, like real money, your checking account will be, be higher, like by a significant amount. Um, by month four, most have have gotten to where they're spending money. Most um, they're spending money that's usually about thirty days old at that point. So they're kind of a month ahead, about four months in. At month nine, they report about a four thousand dollar net worth upswing. Whether they've used it to pay down debt, they've set aside money for a, an eventual car repair, whatever it is, their checking account is four thousand higher, or their debt is some amount lower. We are not big on crazy get out of debt as fast as you can because it, we want them to have, be on a sustainable pace. So yeah. you'll see them kind of adopting like they're looking ahead to larger expenses. They're not just throwing every apparently spare dollar at their debt. And then some expense pops up and they're kind of back at square one, but demotivated. So yeah. we have a very long view on our relationship with our customer. And we hope the customer has a long view on their progress. Like it took a while to get in to the situation that they're in most likely. 
Yeah. And so it'll be a little while before they can they can be out. But you start to feel the progress and see the progress within weeks. Just so our listeners know, I've gone on and watched a couple of these videos. They're quite entertaining. I, I don't know how you make uh, numbers <laughs> so fun over there, but uh, you'll find yourself uh, laughing your way through uh, the budgeting process, which is is a is a great thing. Yeah. That's cool. Well, what we'll do, we're going to put a link to the website in the podcast notes. We feel this is so important. Uh, we see it every single day, the stress people go through thinking about money. And uh, we call this podcast the clear money mindset because it's clarity on money just takes so much of your stress away and yes. anything people can do to get that clarity so they don't have to be worrying and we find that too i mean half of the people are worrying simply because they don't know if they should be worrying or not yes they've yeah. never taken the time to find out should we be scared or are we okay so this has been great jesse thanks so much for uh, joining us today before we go anything else you'd like to mention about the software about the videos uh, uh that could help people out as they uh, possibly kick the tires on this I, I mean, just high level, just make sure that you, you give yourself lots of, lots of grace, you know, like lots of space to make a mistake. We have a feature in the software called fresh start. We live, we literally built in a feature to let you be like, mm, I'm going to start over and, and just <laughs> nice. start over immediately. So, I mean, we keep all your categories. We try and like grease the skids and be like, Oh, look, it's all fresh again. You can start as of today. And that's a real thing. Like, it, it's a valuable skill and things that are valuable are not necessarily things that are easy. And yeah. so it's not that it's hard, but it does take a little bit of grit. And so with the grit, just bring a little bit of grace to make sure that you're, you know, you just be kind to yourself, especially inside your head where you have, you know, all that stuff going on telling you, you can't do this or that, like ignore that stuff and, and be forgiving. And I think, uh, I think we'd be happy to have people use the software and, and honestly, just have a little bit of stress in this world, just a little less stress overall, I think would be a win. Yeah, especially with the last year and a half. Well, again, right. we're talking with Jesse Makeham. He is the founder and CEO of You Need a Budget. Jesse, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Ben. Thanks for listening to the Clear Money Mindset. We at Davies Financial Sterling Mutuals are here to help you thrive with your finances. You can find us online at daviesfinancial.ca. For help with your personal finances, you can email us at office at daviesfinancial.ca. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Sterling Mutuals Inc. Mutual funds provided through Sterling Mutuals Inc. Commissions, trailer commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the simplified prospectus before investing. Mutual funds are not guaranteed, their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated.